Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Uh, I'm Aaron. With me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. How's it going, guys? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Your wife wanted to take pictures for the social media, and I looked at myself on our screen. I'm like, no, the bags in my eyes are really pronounced, and so um, I guess I'm looking tired, but yeah, I'm feeling pretty okay. Um Tonight we have uh, we're going to do a little watch episode, and Dave recommended that we watch episode seven, "The Force Awakens." And so, if you want to watch it, with, and we're just going to talk about it, you know, just do our own little dork commentary over the top of it. Um, so, if you want to join us, we're all on. Are you all on Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're. Or Dave, are you like on a DVD? I'm on, or? I'm on a long time ago. That's okay. where I'm at. No, I mean, what platform are you watching this on? I'm on uh, uh, Blu-ray. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, there's any playback uh, differences. So anyway, if you're just start on a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, get your copy, boot it up, and then come back to this point in the podcast, and we'll just go uh, on the count of three, we'll hit play. So one, two, three, play. And uh, go ahead, Fredo. I was going to just start off, is how big of a miss is it not to have the 20th century fox fanfare you know i you know it's it's funny it's a generational thing because Mm -hmm. i've i've listened to podcasts that are you know guys younger than us and they they didn't mind and you know for for me um i it's it's part of the nostalgia the right the fanfare and everything but at the end of the day it didn't make me you know, storm out of the theater. Right. I remember that people uh, were talking about after the Fox merger that they can put the 20th century Fox back in at the beginning of the new movies. And I was like, well, yeah. All right. I'm going to say something right off the bat. All right. I was so very confused by the resistance. What it was, why it was, I'm still, it's, it's sometimes it's still like explaining, you know, trigonometry to a, you know, an 89 year old. Um, It's just, it was just kind of a goofy concept. It's like, what, so is this like the, the terrorist organization of the new Republic or is this how we're supposed to get on their side? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. this is a summer reading. Now uh, I guess, am I, okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess it's the new Republic is basically, we don't, we don't have no guns. And yeah. then the first order comes around and it's like, Oh crud, we need guns, but we can't have any guns. So it's like, we'll just funnel money over here to these people and, or, or just these people just rise up or whatever. <clears throat> it's just a it, it was just a goofy concept but anyway i think i think i wanted to establish the idea of and it's weird because if you do the summer reading you recognize why it is that such a thing as the resistance exists but just the concept of that wait a minute there's a new republic but they're not the ones dealing with the first order as a matter of fact the new republic has no interest they think it's a minor issue not a big deal and except for Princess Leia and the few people who believe her, it's all, you know. So is it? Do you know why they did it? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, the reason they did that is so you have the underdog thing. Yeah. You know, it's like that's that's exactly why. 
Um, and if you do the summer reading in um, Bloodline in particular, you'll get some of the um, backstory for how this organization sprang up. First of all, I'm going to tell everybody listening to this. Um, you're not going to hear me say too many bad things about this movie. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I, I think it is. I think it, it looks great. It's fun. It, it felt, and yes, looked like Star Wars. Maybe, I mean, people will argue that it looked a little bit too much like Star Wars, but I mean, you've heard me on this podcast many times say why this needed to look that way. And maybe I'll say it again later. Uh, but there are things in here that are just like way cool. Like you never think about like the, the stormtroopers in the troop lander uh, when they cut and they, you see them standing there and they're rocking from side to side because that's what you would do. But in days of yore, they'd probably be all just standing there perfectly still. You know, that it seems like there's a little there. I don't know. There's, there's just a level of detail that goes into this. That is just way cool. Mm -hmm. I agree with all of that. The, um, this is the reason that JJ got hired for this gig is because he's a very visual storyteller in that sense. Um, in the same way that George Lucas was. And, um, it's like, well, let's, let's, let's show you rather than tell you because it's a more effective way of doing the story. And you're going to get that again, that beat later when we see Ray introduced, it's like Mm -hmm. very much show me instead of tell me. Right. It's not sad. And, I also love the little moment. That bothers me. That bothers me. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. BB-8 being, okay, so this is one of the couple things that bothers me about this movie. BB-8 being hauled into the X-Wing. There's something that comes down, grabs him on the dome, and he gets pulled up, and then they cut to the top of the X-Wing, and he's coming up from the bottom, and that thing is not pulling on his head. They should have just done the the Jawa sand crawler, you know, suck him up through the tube, and, you know, he's in there. Yeah, Fredo, quit rolling your eyes. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking of all the things to kind of get bugged about. I'm sure if you look at one of the cross section books, they'll have a pretty handy explanation that that the that the hooker up or whatever. But what I'm is, saying though is, in 1977, George, Luke, they're like, we need to get him in the sand crawler. Well, it's just a vacuum. It just and why not? Um, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, no. I was gonna say one of the things that I really appreciate about it. I mean, look, you got Max von Sydow in this movie, may he rest in peace, and uh, he's Bur- Burmeister the, uh, Smith, uh, Ming the Dang Merciless. Please, no, Brewmeister Smith. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he uh, and he does he does a lot with his little role here of establishing both who Kylo really is, but also. You know, kind of start giving you know the ball rolling when he meets with Poe, and and that's one of the things that Star Wars always has had is little moments where small characters seem to have a much bigger presence in the universe. Now, so I was glad for that. I think this is also the first time we see blood in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no. When uh, Obi Wan slashes uh, what's yeah. his name's arm. Oh, good point. Yeah, I stand corrected. With a little bit of blood. Okay. Um, I will say another thing, like my another bugaboo I have is I didn't like the sound of Poe's laser blasts, but that, that didn't sound too Star Wars to me, but oh well. Again, minor little things. I thought this was a great entrance of Kylo, Kylo Ren setting up the villain. I mean, it, was, uh, it just 
I mean, they show him to be, it's kind of interesting because in a new hope, it's like we see Darth Vader and we're led to believe, oh, that guy must be bad. But here, the first thing that Kylo Ren does is, you know, kill an old dude in cold in blood, yeah. you know, it's like, wow. Okay. We've established that he's uh fairly evil. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I think part of the thing that, that kind of, you remember back when, before this movie came out, all the theories about who Kylo Ren really was? And it's surprising that none of that really even factors into the storyline, ultimately. They're very straightforward about, okay, he's somebody, you know, the, the identity is a secret, but it, it's important. And, of course, some of that is, and there goes Max von Sydow. No, it's the idea that uh, he's important, that there's a family, that there's a backstory to him. You know, it's all the mystery box stuff that Abrams loves. But it pays off in this movie. And stopping a laser bolt with the Force was badass. Yeah, that's an example that we've gone around on, which is like you can show different facets of the Force, and it doesn't... It's like we didn't always have like 100% understanding from day one, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you introduce these different abilities that these characters have, and it's okay. <laughs> it's nothing to freak out over. Like, and this is a perfect example. It's like, wow, he can do that. We haven't seen that before, but that's pretty freaking nifty. Mm-hmm. But also, it's also going to be interesting to look through the movie. Uh, Kylo Ren starts off much in the same way as Darth Vader in terms of menacing, powerful, dangerous. But he will lose a lot of that luster as mm-hmm. the movie goes along. Like, he'll be shown up to see, and that's kind of the difference between him and the granddad that he's trying to emulate is that, you know, granddad had, you know, his rep was earned and he kind of knew what it was. Yeah, but he, but Vader was kind of bossed around by Tarkin and, and everybody else. So he, he was, he was not top dog in A New Hope, Mm -hmm. you know, in certain aspects. Um I think as children, we didn't really understand those dynamics. It was just kind of like, oh, gosh, this guy's still, like, big and scary and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe Kylo, in that sense, holds up for little kids. But I agree with you, Fredo. Like, he ends up getting shown up in this movie, and, and mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of his character arc. And there goes BB-8. So, okay, things. so what do you guys think of, of BB-8 before the movie and once you got into the movie because when i first saw bb8 like in the trailer i was like really hmm that it was it was kind of off-putting but he's one of he's probably one of my favorite droids in the entire saga now i love bb8 i mean and i think that's because just of the character development in that droid Mm -hmm. yeah I, i didn't think anything bad about him i didn't think oh my gosh He's too cute or too whatever. No, he was totally fun, and I uh, he he only grew in size and quality as this as this, as the trilogy progressed. I thought this is a that was a fine bit of acting by uh, Oscar Isaac there, like staring in awe around the hangar, like that really sort of sort of you know crystallizes that these these the resistance is not well funded and not well armed. And, oh, gosh, we're really in for it right now, aren't we? Phasma, probably biggest miss of the entire sequel trilogy. That could have Mm -hmm. been, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's kind of like Boba Fett. We made 
Phasma out to be more than what it was going to be and then ends up not being much and then we're all mad or if it was never supposed to be that big of a character who will ever know at this point I think it's just it's it's unfortunate because she's seen her the opportunity to have more but mm-hmm. they clearly didn't want to go that way and maybe they just felt like okay we wanted to have a cool secondary character and you know sometimes that's that's as far as it goes with the way they're thinking it but you know, it's uh, it's surprising that they didn't take the opportunity. But I do love that moment with Finn when he gets back to the ship and he's still processing all those emotions. The fact that he didn't shoot with everybody else, you know, him all sweaty and, you know, unsure. And then, of course, here comes Fastman, and, you know, immediately, okay, you got to go back to being a, a stormtrooper. So uh, whether or not, so we're now we're seeing Ray, whether or not it was supposed to be this way of ray being a palpatine i do find it interesting that their their themes share a common rhythm mm-hmm. where you know palpatine's bum 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 and ray's bum 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 there's you know a little bit of alteration mm-hmm. but it shares a it shares a rhythm dna so that's kind of interesting but that may have just been wow, lucked out there, you know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think they planned this far out that this that she was uh, Palpy's granddaughter. This know? is an awesome shot, though. We you know saw it from the trailer, the buried, the crashed X-wing. star destroyer, mm-hmm. and the buried X-wing. His bird pecking away at a metal thing. <laughs> I just I remember watching that and I loved it because like. Here's, you know, here's one of the here's one much. of the great unanswered questions. Why did she park so far away from like where maybe, she's maybe taking the junk? Maybe that was the parking area. I don't know. That's a parking lot. Now, quick question: You guys did <laughs> it's like parking at Disney World or something? Get the last spot, so first one out. <laughs> you guys did the summer reading for the before the the books before this movie. Uh, I did not. Was, did not. Okay. No. Okay, never mind. That that might be something to uh, ask in Wikipedia. Is is Jakku also an entirely sand planet like Tatooine, or is the region where she's living sand because of the aftermath of the battle? I'm pretty sure the canon on that is it's another sand planet that okay. uh, it can only have one biome per planet. Well, its environment was affected by the war, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always a desert planet, and okay. so it. It it's taken the war harder than anyone else, um, but that you know I'd be way off base with that. But I do want to say something here. We talked about how you know um, the storytelling here is so smart because you get these quiet moments. The characters get a chance to breathe. You get introduced to her in an intelligent way that you don't have to just tell us everything. She just shows us, and we know everything we need to know. Um, just from these scenes. But I also think that there's something important in the fact that um, she's introduced alone. The mm-hmm. other inter- the other characters are all kind of introduced in a big muddled mess together. Yeah. And I think like that's an important thing, not only just because like, well, she's the most important character, but I also think it says something about her character. It's like she's a very solitary individual 
and we're going to reemphasize that even even more. Um, uh, so this is all just really smart. Sorry. And I love this little moment where she finishes her food and puts on the uh, excellent pilot helmet, and you can see that her little uh, shelters in the down ATAT um, remains. You know, she's literally a child growing Fredo, up. Fredo, 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 Fredo. It's an ad at. Sorry, move on. Keep going. Oh, you didn't see. You didn't see Rick. No, no. I'm about to show you a clip from Rick and Morty uh, later on about who discusses that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, that she's literally a child of the rebellion of the civil war. She's born, she's growing up in the, in the crumbling aftermath of it all. So there's a symbolism there to who she is, even before we get to know anything about her. There's also things that we pick up on. I mean, just, you probably, I don't know if it dawned on us while watching, you know, in the theater for the first time, but immediately she speaks multiple languages. She speaks droid. You know, that's, I think that's something that we need to, as we, I think that obviously that's an intentional trait that they put in her. We need to pay attention in future Star Wars, you know, endeavors of, you know, it speaks to, I, I don't know if necessarily force abilities, but it speaks to a special, a specialness. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Omega right now in the Bad Batch, you know, She's very intuitive. She um, believes she speaks droid, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. But then also, like, like I'm thinking, like somebody like Han when he meets Chewie, that he speaks Wookiee. Yeah, a little you bit. Know, but it's the, the idea that it speaks to an inquisitiveness, uh, a desire to know more, that they're not mm -hmm. just simply happy with their lot in life. A lot of the thing that ties a lot of our heroes you know throughout the various star wars movies is uh wanderlust uh, a yearning for more than their and what's been set for them but she's also you know the solitary figure and she has to mm -hmm. figure out these sort the solutions to her desires uh in in her own way um she's kind of on her own with the with the force uh when that comes up later mm -hmm. um you know, she's kind of mono and mono with um, Ben eventually. It's just like she's kind of having to figure her way through this on her own. Um, and maybe in more of a, um, I guess, in a, in a stronger way than any of the other characters that we've seen to this point. By the way, quick question. Here we got the torture scene with Kylo and Poe. Was this the first time that they put an, any kind of audio sound to the Force? No. In A New Hope, when Vader is okay. choking um, Admiral Mahdi in the conference room, you get a rumble. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you get a okay. big rumble. Now, the thing that I think is kind of cool here is, is that, you know, this is the first time, though, I think we see, um, you know, using the Force to read somebody's mind. And what's cool mm. is that, since then, we've seen that in Darth Maul has used it in, I believe, in the Clone Wars. So mm -hmm. they're, they, they're taking some of these force abilities that we see and they're starting to apply it, I guess, in retrograde, if you will. You know, um, just, just kind of neat. Just kind of neat. Right. And this oh, is Simon okay. Pegg as Unkar <laughs> Plutt. And it's going to come up later that we're going to see, you know, there was a scene that he was supposed, uh, his demise gets cut out. 
And do you think it would have should have stayed in? Where where what? You know, later on down the mid film, he tracks down. Yeah. Ray, yeah. And yeah, and, and Chewie gets... rips his arms out. Yeah. Right. Do you think it would have been better if he hadn't? I liked it in solo. (laughs) Yeah. It it worked better in solo. I don't know. um... Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And of course here we're learning a lot about Ray that she's turning down the biggest payday to Mm -hmm. save a droid that she doesn't know. You know, again, defined by her actions here rather than her just saying, Oh, well, money doesn't matter to me. No, it's like, no, show it. Um, it's more effective right and okay so here's a controversial topic um finn force sensitivity now i know that we all have different opinions on this um for me one of the things <laughs> not only the mark bias right but uh i also feel like in that opening sequence where he's kind of bewildered with all the firefighting and everything going on. Like I think there's like some, again, some of that rumble going on Mm -hmm. in the soundtrack. And I've always felt like that's kind of an indicator in that moment that he's feeling things at a very deep level. Um, And again, never, maybe all wet. I mean, never, never once in going up through last jedi um did i ever even get an inkling of a thought that finn was force sensitive really i I thought i mean in this movie particularly like dave says from the opening one kind of when he his friend dies and he starts having that bewildering moment all the way through there was always a, a sensation that maybe the force was calling out to finn at least that's what i got and then Later on, I mean, yeah, by Bryce Skywalker, they don't really go with it anywhere. But, but, uh, but I felt that there was some inkling of it in there. No, I, 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 I thought it was. I thought his um, journey was one more of a moral journey, not a spiritual journey. I suppose I saw mm-hmm. that storyline of you know him making choices between um, good and bad, and not you know trying to. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't see hints that it's like, oh, homeboy's going to use the force. I didn't, I didn't, I, I just, I just didn't see that. Not, I've been accused of being the most oblivious person on the planet, so I get that. Um, but um, you know, it's, uh, but the, the other thing is, we all have to remember is that um, we were taught a long time ago, and we all forget that the force is in, well, Luke has to remind us in the last Jedi that the force is in every living thing. And it's just, are you the type of person that you're, you know, a little bit more open to what it's trying to speak to you or are you cutting yourself off from it? Han Solo closes himself off to it. He just, he reacts in the moment and in very, you know, um, just in a very humanistic way. Well, humanistic is a bad word, but you know what I mean? He's, he's not, okay, I need to stop and gain my composure here and think a little bit more about what I'm doing and see what nature's trying to tell me to do, you know? So, but everybody has the capabilities. It's, you know, whether you work at it or not. 
So I'm not saying that I have a problem with Finn being force sensitive in the rise of Skywalker. That is fine. Um, but I did not see really any breadcrumbs, um, in the moment. So. And now I, again, I, I think that part of it was the marketing, right? And I, right. again, it's a misdirect, right? He ends up with the saber. You're thinking, okay, um, wow. Okay. So he's going to become a Jedi maybe two or instead of her. Um, and, and it's a misdirect ultimately. And like you said there, in, in the context of this particular story, his journey is a moral one. Um, well, and, and, I, and, 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 and it works Jedi really well. well because he's got the same story in the last Jedi as he does this movie. But anyway, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean like there's, you know, there's a different conversation, but I, I do think it, his story works in this movie. I think most of these characters stories work, uh, you know, for me, I, I guess what I would wonder is, is Ray the absolute clear protagonist of this movie? Or is it a little bit more uh, well, opaque? You, you talk about, no, I don't think, well, I don't know. If you, if you look at it from the, I guess everybody's got their own hero's journey arc. It's, di it's different than A New Hope in that respect because right. Han was already firmly on his path. I am working for me. I'm, you know, and I'm stuck doing this job. Princess Leia was firmly in her path. Luke was the only one who was, you know, not where he wanted to be and wanted something bigger. That was hit us across the face. In this one, you got Ray, who is, you know, like you said, alone. And you can, you can tell that wanting more. You have Finn, who's not liking where he is and wants, you know, to go someplace different. Um, Poe is where he knows he needs to be. But I mean, even like when you mentioned he goes into the Star Destroyer, he's in kind of awe of that. So everybody's got their journeys. Um, whereas, I, like I said, I think in the original trilogy, it was really just Luke who had the hero's journey. You know, it, it just occurred to me, it's kind of interesting that Kylo's path is very similar to his father's in this movie. Um, in that Han was a very well-realized person. And he ultimately, by the end of the movie, had to make a choice. Um, that kind of went against character and Kylo was faced with that same situation in this movie. So people were uh, bent out of shape from the get go because this was like just a total rehash of a new hope. We're not going to dive down that path. We're going to stay kind of on the, uh, on the sidewalk here and ask, what do you think they expected? What do you, what, I mean, if, if this was not, you know, for the people who are most vocal, um, what, what do you do? I guess, what have you read? What do you, what do you think? What did people want? I, I, I don't know what they wanted, to be honest, if they if I, but isn't know, that, I'm going to interrupt you because that's what I do. Isn't that the Twitter culture? It's like, we complain about things, but we don't stop to say, this is what, you know, this is my solution for it. You know, I'm going I'm going to complain about this movie because it's a rehash of A New Hope. Then it's like, so what do you want? And then they're like, it's not my Star Wars. You know, I'm sorry. I interrupted you, Dave. Well, I think it's um, again, it's very deliberate. Right. It's 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 meant to bring in the it's a crowd pleaser. Bring in the crowds, 
please them. And again, a lot of people had the exact opposite reaction. This is not my Star Wars. A lot of people were like, this is my Star Wars. My Star Wars is back, right, after the prequels. Um, and that was their reaction to this, and that was the intention. Um, they went so far as to sort of basically not even acknowledge the prequels at all. And it, it, it was kind of a thing for a while where everyone's like, well, what about the prequels? Are you even going to acknowledge them? And, um, and so like, you know, it, the politics thing is a perfect example of that. Like they went so far the other direction with it. It's like, you, you have no understanding of the political situation in the galaxy in this movie versus the prequels where, you know, they're in the Senate chambers and debating taxation and, and everything else. And so um, they went from one extreme to the other in this movie. And again, intentional, um, but I was fine with it. I mean, for even for me, like somebody who I've, I've voiced this, I was like, yes, this is, this is a bit of a rehash in some, in some ways i wish they would be a little more creative next time around but that was my um that was my caveat with it you know it's like okay you're setting it up setting the story up here setting up the characters trying to bring in the audiences and get them hooked you know get the candy in the van you know get the kids in the in the van with the candy uh, and then you give them something really cool and creative and the next time around. And that was always my expectation that they would do that. And I thought that they mostly did. So for, for a couple of things, I will, I will, I will argue with a lot of people when they say, you know, it's like, oh, we just had the same old TIE fighters and, you know, they just were a little bit stylized, a little bit different. We had the same star destroyers, but just stylized. It's like, look, look at the automobile for crying out loud and look at a Mustang from 19, you know, 72 and compare it to a, a Mustang, you know, a new one today there, you can, you can still pick them out of a lineup. You know, it's a Mustang. You know, it's, it's one's just more stylized than the other. So the ship thing bothers me. So let's, let's go in the DeLorean and let's go back and say, Hey, JJ, here's what you need to do. Don't make it a desert planet. Just put it, put it like in a meadow, make Jack, make Jakku look like Kansas. Okay. Or or Iowa, but I said Kansas because Dave's from Kansas, but you know, but you know what I mean? uh, Do you, do you think, do you think you, you do everything the exact same? except for make Jakku, Iowa. And do you think people pitch as big of a fit? I don't. I think it's because when we saw, I think when we see sand, we think Tatooine and we think, oh, come on, get a new idea. And I think if you just put it in a meadow, then I think think people stop, they, they don't go down that rabbit hole. But I also think it's part of the nature of what JJ's trying to do. Uh, we always go back to the George Lucas quote about no, I, you know, the movie. No, I agree with Ryan. you on that. I, I've, said so, it for, I've said it a gazillion times. It's, it, you do this because it's to make people like, okay, I'm in Star Wars. But I'm saying we're getting in the DeLorean and say, JJ, everybody's going to get pissed at you because it, look, it looks like you're on Tatooine. Let's put it in Kansas. And so he does. And do you, do you think... I'm not asking you why he did it. I'm saying, do you think people have as big of a problem or are, are they, is there still the argument that this is just a rehash of a new hope? I I think some of the rehash arguments would go away, but it would be replaced with something else. Right. You know, I like, like I, that wouldn't be as effective as a, of a storytelling device, that environment. 
See, this environment tells you a lot. And since Dave just froze up, see, I'm not about rent. living in Iowa. It's like, oh, well, this does, this place doesn't look so bad. She doesn't look like she has such a bad life. And You've never been to Iowa before. <laughs> I have. I have to. Um, but no, you know, I've but been the, to Nebraska. I've but you know, the Kansas. thing is, actually, I would even I'll I'll take I'll take the argument a little bit differently because I would say, why are you wasting your time calling this Jack who just make a Tatooine? You know, or in then, or in the rise of Sky like, in the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, we're in Endor. Well, no, it's Kef Beer. It's like just call it Endor. I mean, well, what's is, what's wrong know, with that? People go home. You know, it's like some the, people some things happen. It's like you know, I, I talk about music history. It's like Vienna. Everything was happening in Vienna. I didn't sit there in music history and say, why don't they go someplace else? It's like that's where things were happening for some cosmic reason. You know. So uh, if you're going to make it look like Tatooine, then just call it Tatooine. But I think that part of the problem was they did that in the prequels and people immediately had an issue with it. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, Anakin Skywalker was in Tatooine. Why is it that they got to go back to Tatooine? Wouldn't they remember when Luke Skywalker know that about Anakin Skywalker? You know, so th these are not new arguments. That's the catch. It's everybody. The problem ultimately goes back to everybody in there has in their mind what a Star Wars movie is and should be. And what we get doesn't match that, we have a problem. And I'm sorry, I'm going to take us on a different topic because we, we missed it. They're in the Falcon now, and that is yes. the best character reveal of about any movie <laughs> ever. The garbage will the do. The garbage will do, and you get the theme. You know, that it's like... Uh, I knew that's where they were headed with that. And I, like, in the back of my head, I'm like... I know that I know where they're going with this, and it was still executed so beautifully. I didn't I didn't care that I knew what they were going to do. It was just it was so wonderful. It was mm -hmm. perfect. I love the fact that they almost immediately go, "Well, we need a pilot. We got a pilot. That's her." You know, and, you know. It's, uh, the movie did face some criticism later on for some of that, but it's like, no, she knows what she's doing. She lives her lives around ships, so of course she's going to know how to somewhat do some of the stuff, but. Even if her first flight is being running from the uh, first order and getting shot at. But again, if we want to, if we want to use what we've seen as you know, you know, the past is prologue. You know, let's go back to the Phantom Menace, and it's like Anakin's uh, one hell of a pod racer. It's like, well, how did he learn how to do that? Well, he didn't. He just kind of figured it out. He just had these instincts. You know, so this should be tipping us off to Ray right now that you know. Um, yeah. Right, we should yeah. see the, the the similarities here. Right. You know. It's I, I don't also don't want to like just skip over how funny this movie is. Like, it's mm -hmm. entertaining. It's really like there a lot of these jokes land really well. They do. Um, and um, you know that's not necessarily always easy to do. I, you know, like we we've all groaned at some of the jokes in some of these movies. Um. But yeah, like the character work here is really, really good. But so the jokes are good too. Um, and this is this is designed to be the crowd pleaser, right? So they nailed some of those crowd pleasing elements. I love. I just love this chase scene through the downed um, star destroyers and everything. Um, yeah, I still want to know what this person says after the Tie Fighter crashes. I've never figured it out. 
Um, Free lunch. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what this reminds me of though? Like them flying through the debris, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi. They fly through the Death Star. Yeah. That's where they sort of established that. And I was thinking back to when we were talking about best space battles, like we never even mentioned um, that, like that they're flying through the freaking Death Star. And that was like such a unique idea. Yeah. And now we've seen it in Star Wars over and over and over again. We've seen it in every other movie under the sun. Um, but yeah, Return of the Jedi did it first. And this is uh, this is such a badass move to mm-hmm. killing the engines getting the guns facing the tie fighter you know it's and, and the camera work in this whole chase sequence is just awesome too right it does a good job it almost feels like a ride and i'm sure Devin tells about riding you know flying <laughs> <laughs> but it's that very much that idea of okay we're gonna put you in uh an action sequence because we haven't done that for the last few minutes and here you go and it's I think this is one of the moments where the movie just hits the line of being a Star Wars movie perfectly. Okay, so who's flying the ship right now? <laughs> I like. Well, that's the problem, right? That's why they end up getting captured. But uh, I like. I like the two of them here. They're just like, "Yay, we're so excited!" And they're they're young and eager and happy. And 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 BB-8 doing his double take to Finn. Mm-hmm. Again, that just it was just great acting with that droid. You know, and of course, I mean they could do things with BB eight that you can't do with R two, you know. And I love me some R two D two. But, you know, BB eight can swivel his head around, you know, and look like what? Um By the way, okay, so here's further proof that um you know, the whole Ray Papatine wasn't planned. This would have been a great moment for them to go, I'm Ray and they go, Ray who? And just just Ray. And they didn't. They just went away. I'm Ray, and then they go to, you know, the explosion on the ship. You know, is this whole thing with Kylo just being like, you know, blowing gaskets every now and again? That that also gets kind of dropped. Um, you know, after Last Jedi, yeah. No, well, no. I think it's like pretty much way after he smashes his helmet. Then mm-hmm. he, he doesn't. He doesn't pitches fits anymore which actually kind of makes him i kind of liked it as a villain because you know vader was always in control Mm -hmm. and here it's like kylo would try to be in control then he'd just you know throw a hissy fit Um, showing you the differences showing you that vader was always in command was always always knew his place well but as a as a as an audience member i'm always now on edge as to what what are we going to get you know but yeah. you know that this is what this is what I something's going on here because they wrote the line in what girl, right? Mm-hmm. He he knows something that that seems like you know Luke. There is another you know it's right. it didn't seem like you said you know they were joined with a you know a girl I said well, what girl what are you talking about? But that's not his reaction. It was like is it that girl? So. That made me think that something he he knew her, but I don't know. That's that's why my theory. I'm sorry. That's why my theory from the get go was that she was Han and Leia's after they had Ben. Ben finds out somewhere that he has a sister, and 
you know, I guess that all made sense in my head. That is not the way it played out, but anyway, so. By the way, I love that little moment, right, interaction between Finn and BB-8, where he's trying to get him to uh, yeah. say the name of the planet system where they're at. Yeah, and he that... doesn't speak droid. <laughs> he doesn't speak droid. Droid, please. Yeah. Droid, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's funny. Everybody's like, I love the thumbs up. Yeah, everybody lost it in the theater the first time I watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was flipping them off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That's where my head went. Everybody else is like, he's giving the thumbs up. And I was like, oh, yeah, thumbs up. Okay. By the way, I love the, I love the interaction. This is one of the first things I'm going to say. You know, I love the interactions and the uh, dynamic that Finn and Ray have with one another. I think that's one of the strongest things that the uh, that the trilogy has. And it's surprising. I mean, and I kind of get okay. They had to kind of go separate ways in Last Jedi, but I'm surprised they didn't lean on it stronger in Rise of Skywalker. Well, see, that's one of the highlights here. That's why I thought. I mean, from the get go, I thought. Um, Ray and Finn were going to become like brother, sister, best friends type of relationship. And that Ray and Poe were going to be the thing because their interaction mm-hmm. at the very end of the last Jedi was very much a relationship uh, interaction. Yeah, uh, cause, uh, I'm, I'm Ray. And like, yeah, I know who you are, you know? Um, and, and this right here. Yeah. I mean, JJ just knew how to, I mean, just keep people all excited. I mean, yep. I mean, here comes Chewie and Han, and we're home, and that's not that was written for people our age, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the exact what you're saying about earlier, Dave. You know, people ticked off about the prequels, you know. So, but this movie was written to get us curmudgeons back into star Wars. So that's why South park had the member berries <laughs> member at member Hoth member Tatooine. <laughs> you know, they just, um, from the moment they announced the casting that the big three were coming back. I think everybody was in at that point. All the old fans were, it's like, Oh gosh, the big three, they're back together. Right. And I don't think people understood. I don't Maybe some, a lot of people did. Um, but I think some people didn't understand that, what that meant for the story, which is like, if you're bringing these three, three people back, they're not going to have the happy ending that they had in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And um, what are we going to tell the story of in this movie from their perspective? Uh, and it's going to be about age, and it's going to be about regret, and it's going to be about the mistakes that we make. And, um, you know, to JJ's credit, I think he does a great job with that stuff in this movie. And I think Ryan, Ryan J- Johnson does a great job with that stuff in the second movie as well. Um, those, those sorts of themes. But it's again, it's like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because he wanted those three back. But it's like, well, you're going to get them, but not in a happy way. So right. here's a, here's the thing that's I would I think it'd be interesting, because the Last Jedi takes a lot of criticism, and there's one big difference between the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens, and that's 
in the force awakens uh, i would like i should have taken a stopwatch because this is always the thing i think about every time i watch this movie it's like there is some big catastrophe or stressful situation they need to deal with like about every five minutes Mm -hmm. it's like you can cook an egg to this it's like the last jedi sits and and breathes for a while you know, and we're going to talk about some things and we're going to have, I'm going to slowly fly through space, you know, and it's like, yeah, we're being chased, but it's really slow. So we're, so the, I guess that is one of the things in this movie that it's just, it, I, I think it was a little less about story and more about keeping people having fun. So we got to, we got to ride it like a roller coaster where it's like, we're going up and we're going down. We're going up and we're going down. Um, but then on another note, I will say, uh, having read a lot of books that have Han Solo as a character, nobody can write for Han Solo like the Kasdans. Sorry. Mm. That's, it's, you got, if you want to know how to make your Han Solo story successful, you got to study how they wrote for him. Cause there's a cadence, there's a, you know, a rhythm it's uh, yeah it's just it was well done here that said i will i will ask did we need the scene with the rat cards <laughs> that's my point that's my point we need we need something happening it reminds me of john peters like we need we need a, we need a thagnerian snar you know snare beast or whatever it was we need a big spider you know they they needed something for them to react to you know, we don't need the gangs here because Han Solo is not being chased by anybody after this sequence. Mm-hmm. I, I guess where I would give the movie a lot of credit is that despite that, like they, they made that choice. Like we're going to make sure there's an action beat on the dot every five minutes. Um, despite that limitation, they were able to really tell a coherent story um and but, do it across multiple characters there is like a character progression for so many of these people um where they end up at a different place than where they began and it, it's just they didn't drop the ball in that way and i think like that's really really yeah but i think what, credit. i think what makes sense here though is instead of two rival gangs that we don't have anything to do with ever again is make this a first order boarding party you know, make it make it Phasma and some troops or whatever that board and then, you know, our heroes escape and, you know, fly off in hyperspace and end up at, you know, Maz Kanata. So you're, you're always being chased by the same villain and not being chased in one scene by the First Order and another scene by the the two gangs and then another scene. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and again, that's that's neither here nor there it's an enjoyable movie but it just seemed this this just kind of seems to be like oh crud we need we we need something for them to run from so i think part of the point of the of the gangs is to show us that han has fallen into these old habits that's true that's true and 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 again it's it's sad should have been boba fett (laughs) remember boba fett Well, no, but it's it's something we discussed in one of the earlier episodes. I think it's absolutely right. Is that when their family kind of falls apart because what happens with Ben? Han goes back to being the smuggler. Leia goes back to being the the rebel, the revolutionary, because it's where they're most themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's familiar to them. Uh, it's comfortable. Um, but it's it represents a regression, too. It, it shows that they're not really dealing with what's important, which is Ben. I will also say that getting back to my timing thing here about every five minutes, I don't think A New Hope has this many action beats. Oh, no. Well, yeah, what not happens, at all. Yeah, what's interesting, for example, like take the Death Stars, not the run, but the, when they get captured in the Death Star. From that point through when they um, escape, there's action beats and moments in it. I mean, we even have a whole sequence when they're trying to call in the trash compactor. Yeah. But it, but the thing is, it ebbs and flows. It picks up and then it releases, slows down, builds up again, releases. So there's a number of minor sequences in that gigantic whole suppose right. section of the movie. So it allows it to feel like it isn't... Uh, um, like, it's not just one thing. It's a multiple of different things. You know, whether it's the duel between Ben and Vader, whether it's Han chasing after the stormtroopers or them running away from the stormtroopers, Luke and Leia, you know, you know, swinging away, all this. So it's all these, you know, moments in their spurs, but, you know, together they make the big old sequence. But, yeah, it's a... They find a way to balance it out so it doesn't feel so obvious. But it's not a new location... Uh, action beat. New location. So, beat. so when when Chewie gets shot, did you guys in the theater say, "Oh no, you don't kill Chewbacca"? If they, they can't, um, when he gets shot, that that was. I mean, when he got shot, I was like, "No, no, 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 no." To be honest, I, like, I, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was gonna say well, that was a that was a different sound. I hadn't heard him make that right. sound before. I'm like, he's hurt. Oh wow, you know. But I didn't think they were gonna kill him or anything. Um, um, one thing we didn't talk about, this is way back, back on Jakku. And the thing I love, because I, I love, we talked about the interaction between Finn and Ray. One of the best things that they wrote in there was when Finn kept trying to take her hand. And she says, quit trying to take my hand. I can run by myself. I, you know, I love that they did that to, you know, just set up straight away that, you know, she don't, she don't need a man to, you know, to, to get her where she needs to be. So. And I've always loved the interaction between Ray and Han too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why, so from here on out, when we have Ray and Han in the cockpit, mm-hmm. you talk about misdirection, the way this is acted, shot and written, it seems like, it seems like he knows who she is. He, you know, there's, yeah. You know, so, sorry, we're not quite there yet. Um, what'd you think of Hugh Gungus Snoke? I did. I don't know. It seemed like a visual trick at the time, but I also was like, was well, he really that big? I don't know. You know. I, I always <laughs> love the idea that it was reversed, that he was appearing so massive because he was so tiny. <laughs> what'd you think of like, Snoke as a as the? I mean, the big baddie. I I. Yeah, I mean, again, it was it was what it was. He served his purpose, you know. There's somebody at the end of the leash uh, for Kylo, and and so like that was his role. And I, I I did figure we'd get more information about him eventually, and we we really didn't. And did this Snoke 
feel like or, or did the Snoke in the Last Jedi feel like this Snoke? Because I don't think so. It it seems like almost two totally different characters. They're a smidge well, different. Th- this is more a lot like you remember the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back. The old um, the, the old Emperor, the original Clive Rebel was the voice. And, you know, this felt a lot like that. Like it was a placeholder for the character we're going to meet later on. Monkey Woman. Yeah, monkey, monkey woman, woman, right? Monkey woman, yeah. Monkey woman. Monkey <laughs> felt like a lot like monkey woman, and then the real Snoke we we're gonna meet in the next movie, which allegedly we did. Yeah, that's why I just sort of rolled with it when Last Jedi came around. I was just like, okay, they improved him. This is like, I know that, like, he's a little different, but I was like, well, this is an improvement. He's a little more menacing. He's a little more um, uh, tangible. A little more. Like in your face. So it was interesting in that whole interaction, though, is that they just came out straight out and said it that that Ben is Han's son. And Leia's good. So there's there's no, you know, no ifs ands or buts about it. So that's kind of interesting that they just they didn't save that for the reveal. So it made you wonder, okay, what is the reveal they're going to be giving me? And I love mm-hmm. Chewie, you know, giving Finn a hard time. You know, I'll um, just very briefly circle back to your Raftar question. I didn't like that scene at first, the first time I saw it, because it felt derivative and it felt CGI and it, it didn't, I don't know, it felt unnecessary. But uh, I do I do like it for Han's character and it did give us an all-time great line, which is, uh, tell that to Kanji Club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which replies by, is like, tell that to Kanji Club. Of course, all the fun callbacks, you know, the chessboard, you know, the, the, he the, pulled out the remote droid the, earlier. The remote, yeah. The way they reconstructed the Falcon was incredible. Um, mm. I mean, this does, and I, I can't wait until I get to go to Galaxy's Edge. Um, and by the way, here, here, okay, so here's one of my, I don't know. We, we got a little portion of the map. If I gave you a little portion of a map, do you think you'd be able to figure out what what country you were in if you had a... The, the, this whole thing just seems a little like... I mean, th- this was kind of a loose premise. I don't know. We have a chunk of a map. We don't know where this is. It's like if I gave you a little chunk, you'd be able to figure out, you know, eventually where it is. Anywho, but well, that's just it. It's it's. I mean, we've seen maps of the ga- the galaxy, and then we have the whole under you know unknown regions and whatnot. So, but the it's. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's a you know just that idea of there are ways that you know you probably you know somebody like Han should be able to discover what this is, but it's it's a constant. It's the idea of look, they're all fighting for the this last piece of knowledge, but that everybody has to have. But ultimately, it's not going to be as big of a deal, you know. We've talked about this before. The bigger thing that's happening here right now is that Han Solo is confirming all the mumbo-jumbo. All the hocus, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was... We saw that in a trailer, right? But then Mm -hmm. when when I saw this in the theater, I was just like, "That, that is one of the most awesome moments of this movie is that that he is confirming jedi and the force when it's when he said it all seems a bunch of simple tricks and nonsense 
Paulie, I love this look that uh, Daisy really gives about they're, they're never thinking there was that much green in all the galaxies. And that's a, that's a look of guilt from Han Solo. Mm-hmm. That is a look no, of guilt and shame from Han Solo. And that's why I thought, okay, yeah, man, I feel bad for dumping her on a desert planet. But it, see, but the thing is, you know, from the first encounter, they, he's not playing like, oh, crap, my kid found me. You're, you're correct. You are correct. Mm-hmm. This isn't a Mori moment. But, uh, but, I'm not, but I'm not wrong, am I? <laughs> I mean, no, the no, way, no, no. The way that whole he has, thing is he's played. He's aware. And, and uh, whatchamacallit and... Uh, Moss is about when she asks him who's the girl, the look he's going to give her confirms that initial look of, oh yeah, he knows what, what she's all about. I love a uh, big deal. Yeah. A little joke here. Well, then I'll figure out the truth. <laughs> love, did you just call me solo? <laughs> so, like, again he identifies this potential in her right away um, in the same way that Luke, um, he saw something in Luke right away and it was like, why don't you come with me at the end of a new hope uh, right before the final death star battle. And like, here's kind of a similar thing. It's like, why don't you come with us? Um, regardless of what the intention was of the story and whether she was going to be related to him or anyone else, um, I like that little kind of callback, and it's like, oh yeah, he he sees something in her. Yeah. You know, it is. It, it's kind of interesting um, because you could. I mean, you, the the Return of the Jedi Han Solo, which I mean, yeah, that was he his character developed to a more warm fuzzy i'll give the ewok a hug you know (laughs) type of a guy i like that we're back to the you know gruff exterior you know gooey center you know type of that he'll 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 show he'll show the soft side and then quickly go back to being gruff i mean that that just was always the good han solo you know um by the way in uh maz kanada's courtyard here you will see a flag in the upper left that is the 501st flag the one with the stormtrooper um and all of the pod racer flags from phantom menace are in there as well so upcoming um i i feel like maz's interactions uh with finn again they sort of underscore because she's connected to the force um, mm-hmm. more so than a lot of these other characters. I think like she takes a special active interest in, in both of them. Um, she's like, who's the girl? So she's interested in Ray, um, but she's also sort of taking Finn under her wing. And I thought like that was another potential clue mm-hmm. that, that he might be force sensitive eventually. You know, and as much as I like Ryan Johnson and I like The Last Jedi, if with what he did with Maz Kanata, he should have just not had Maz Kanata in that movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, because her role in this movie is to get them the thing they need to, you know, continue on. So her role could have been done in the whole saga with just this scene. 
So she, that, she that, gets she gets Ray what she needs to you know to kickstart her journey, you know. Um, she can gets Han going on the right track. You're right. She's kind of she's kind of like you know she, it's like they all walked into you know the bottom of the cup tea room down on you know Royal and got in the you know the the medium there was saying you know doing tarot card reading and just set everybody on the right you know path. But Dave, I'm sorry, you're going to say something. Oh, it wasn't really very important. Um, there was a character that looked like uh, uh, in the band there. I think it was in the band. It looked like Kondo Anaka. <laughs> you know, you know who did the uh, the music for Maz's uh, bar? Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, yeah. There you go. Nice, nice Job, little factoid. Jabba Flow. Um, and then, of course, I did not expect to see Darth Vader's helmet here. Um, His dark helmet? Yeah. Um, and that that's a story. Okay, now, I, since seeing this movie, I want the story of how did he come to get Vader's helmet? Has that been told somewhere? Not that I can think of. He's obsessed not only with Vader, but with these sorts of talismans, right? So he's Vader's helmet. Um, when Luke's saber shows up eventually, um, he's like, that's mine. That belongs to me. But again, has, like, that, has any of that been told in anything? Or I, I anybody listening so. to this, if we're missing out on some of the summer reading, let me know. Because that, that is of great interest to me. Because I, I mean, that seems like an awesome story of how you, you're going to make my way to Endor and find this that or the other and i've never really reconciled it with his character and it's like did he like i i don't know where he ends up with that like what does it mean eventually for him like he's still holding on to some of these things i think later on but he hasn't really turned the page he hasn't really grown and i guess like that's intentional but I don't know. Like I thought like part of that was, you know, to show that he's sort of pretending um, like I, I'm a fanboy, And again, he's like a surrogate for the audience. It's like, Oh gosh, this stuff's important. Oh, Oh, that's really important. And so he puts some places importance on it. And so it gives it importance in the story. And that sort of validates all of our feelings at the same time. But it's like, by the same token, it's still kind of cool there's like an Indiana Jones sort of uh, aspect to it. You know, like there's this mystical talisman and it may have secret powers and, you know, whoever may have it may have the ability to conquer the other people. And they don't really pay any of that off. But I like it. I think it's, I right. think it's kind of a fun storytelling device. I love that Maz just comes up to right to, to Finn's face and just look at him and finally sizes size him up, up and down, recognizes what he's after and goes, nope, there you go. There's your answer. All right, guys. I don't I don't want to um, jump on the um, train of Omega is force sensitive or going to be a force wielder or anything, but I'm watching this now. I'm seeing a lot of similarities between Ray and Omega from the like i said just the the instincts the fact that you know how much ray observes a lot 
says little, observes a lot. And Omega, same thing in the Bad Batch. You know, I mean, this, it's just kind of weird. It's a, it's an interesting comparison to make, and uh, we will. We'll and I'm not, I'm there. not, I'm not sold on the fact that Omega is force sensitive. I'm just, I'm just not. But mm-hmm. could be. I mean, who knows? Because you know. But anyway, getting back to the movie here, um, mm-hmm. I always thought this was kind of an interesting placement of Ray being up higher than Finn, instead of being on the same level. That, that's that, that's she's a, got the high ground well i mean it, it's why 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 do you make that choice you know in what's what's going on here i mean she does have the high ground she here, does you know? she's she's yeah. got the she's on the morally right path mm-hmm. yeah but but is she because her concern are twofold her concern is get bba to resistance and then get back to jakku like she's not thinking it beyond Hey, the resistance might need my help. I'm have some skills I can offer. I'm a pretty good pilot. I'm a pretty good mechanic. No, she's thinking, I will get BBA back to back to the resistance, and then I gotta. I'm well, but also in her mind, long. also in her mind, it's about getting Finn back to the resistance because she still right. thinks that he's a resistance, you know, fighter. But well, uh, she's she's at least following through to speak right. to the difference between the two. Like he's just like, I'm cutting bait. I'm out of here. And she's like, we've got to see this part of it through. And so, yeah, no, I mean, in that respect, she definitely has the high ground. So, um, yeah, I, that was probably intentional. So uh, coming up to the uh, the force back scene, as they, they call it, you know, her mm-hmm. her eating mushrooms when she teaches when she touches the, the lightsaber. Um this whole sequence is really, really cool. Um, BBA coming down the steps. BBA coming down the steps. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Got to figure out how we do it. He doesn't have <laughs> rocket jets like R two does. And I don't know how. I I don't know. I still hmm. was the whole purpose of this thing just to say, "Hey, kids, she's a Jedi." Or she's going to be a Jedi or, you know, just or, hey, kids, she really I mean, she really does have the force. I, but the fact that it is, again, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. And I think that's, this, part, this I think happens, that's part of it. Would it because would it have if it would have been just, let's say, you know, a lightsaber, a lightsaber, Mace Windu's lightsaber, which yet would have been the same reaction or was it? I mean, Maz says as much. Now it calls to you. You know, no, this is a, no, this is a very Excalibur type of a moment here. I was thinking Sword in the Stone, you know, you know very I, much the call to adventure. I, you know, story-wise, again, there's like exa- all the things you guys are saying. But again, I think part of it is, does everybody, general audiences, do general audiences recognize that that's Luke's lightsaber? Maybe not. And so, and so some of this is to kind of show you like, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I've seen this stuff before. Oh, wow. Is this. But still, you know, so, so regardless of that, I mean, still we're in this thing where she's seeing glimpses of, 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 you know, it's just, I'm just, 
trying Knights to... of Ren, her her past. Yeah, there's. Um, We're there's seeing stuff of the future. future. You yeah. Know, um, and then of course you get Ewan McGregor at the end. Um, these are your first steps. Thought that was a nice little ad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some people kind of had this like, um, I don't know, you had old, you know, Alec Guinness saying Ray, and you had young uh, Obi Wan saying these are your first steps. It's like, I don't know. Um, ghosts all don't have to be just one age, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have to take the same form on all the time either. Yeah. Like, I'm not, you know, just to cut that one off at the pass, because if we ever get a uh, a um, Ewan McGregor uh, ghost cameo in the future, I'll be fine with I it. Always, I always said it depends. I don't, I don't think it would have made sense for the Ewan McGregor ghost to interact with Luke. Because mm-hmm. Luke, that would that would be like that would be like um, my the twenty year old my dad's ghost coming and talking to me. That's not I don't recognize that guy. You know what I mean? So, but by the way, so back to the back to the Force Awakens here. I love this interaction with Maz, but oh my god, again a gazillion things that are not paid off in the next two movies. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and first of all, the cheap shot of that's a story for another time. Like, thank you. Okay, that's coming. But no, no, it ain't. Um, you know what's what's others? You know, it it just there's just yeah a lot of stuff that just doesn't get paid off here. And there in the uh, hero's journey is the rejection of the call moment. Yeah, where mm-hmm. she goes, nope, I don't want any part of this. I want gotta get back to my uh, down day at at. Thank you. <laughs> As the new generation are saying, "88." You want people to lose their minds? They should have put an Ewok in, just like sit next to, next to a tree right there. Uh, okay, so Star Killer Base, what'd you, what'd you? Uh, I mean, it was all right. <laughs> I, I, what I found funny when we get to the scene where they finally do the the uh, description of the base, and they have to show Death Star and here's Star Killer Base, and I just go, "So it's bigger." It's like, yeah, basically that's it. It's bigger. So, do you think it would have been uh, would have been more acceptable to you, Dave, if they would have just had the Exegol fleet, you know, show up out of nowhere and destroy the the Republic, you know, those planets? They could have. I mean, is I it? I guess I. I mean, some show of force probably was required for the story, but uh, Hux. Yeah, Hux giant... is another. Hux is another moment or another character that we got cheated on. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. Well, the space station planet thing. Um, at least they did it in a slightly different way. Yeah. That's what I'll. That's what I'll give them credit for. So. And this, uh, it's the planet. Um, is it Ilum? Right. Ilum. Yeah. So it's the planet where all the. Has that been confirmed? Has that actually been confirmed? I I believe so. It's the planet where all the Padawans went and got their Kyber crystals, right? And then it was in Jedi Fallen Order, right? Yep. There was a whole. There's a whole sequence where you have to go into Ilum and and find your uh, new Kyber crystal for your lightsaber. And uh, let's see. It's. Yep. Location Ilum, Starkiller Base is. uh, Look at it on the force that ice planet of Ilum, rich in kyber crystals. All right, so here he looks up. 
He has no reason to look up. Yep, he really but, doesn't. So there's like another reason potentially that that's fair. He might be force sensitive. Um, but again, this weapon is like insanely like impossible, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're shooting these giant lasers through space, and I guess they're sort of traveling instantaneously, but not quite. And so here's the thing: nuking planets and. The, they just showed, you know, the, the New Republic people, you know, right before they get blowed up. And we're, we're supposed to feel something. sad, scared, something for them. And I just, oh. I feel bad. This is going to sound horrible, but I just don't. Well, and I think there's there's a deleted scene, right? Yeah, that where we is. actually get some of those people like, hey, here's Dave and Fredo talking about stuff. And then, you know, ten, 15 minutes later, we're going to blow them up. And you go, I remember those guys. Oh, no. You know, well, there was a scene where the uh, the girl that you see come up to the front of the shot speaks with Leia. And it's that idea of Leia trying to still convince the New Republic that, that the First Order is a big threat. And so far, and this, you know, they finally, you know, they're still talking about it and then they get blown up. And these, the, by the way, the shots here, oh, you know, the apocalypse now shot of the TIE fighters with the sun dun, behind dun, it, dun, you know, dun, and actually dun. seeing, even on Jakku, I loved seeing like TIE fighters in the atmosphere. You know what I mean? Not just flying around space, but, you know, um, So here she gives it to him. Again, maybe that's just an absence of uh, not Ray not being there. Um, but she could have handed it to Han or Chewie. Mm -hmm. This mostly all works really well for me. Um, I like when the resistance shows up. The, the resistance theme for me is like a really cool, triumphant um, you mean theme. The pirate, you mean the Pirates of the Caribbean theme? <laughs> it's just, da -da 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 -da. you know, it's like really cool because it's like, here come the heroes. Oh, that or it sounds, it, I like Poe, it's, too. It, it sounds a little bit like um, Monty Python. Well, if they were galloping through these woods, then I would agree with you, but they're not. They're, they're actually running. So those brakes are robbing this and running away. That's right. Like, they wrecked that building. Look at this. <laughs> There's nothing left. It's like a wall. I will say, knowing that, okay, so we got the idea that Ray is, you know, has got the force, even though we've always said, yeah, everybody has, you know, the force with them. But anyway, she's, but you could tell also that they were, they set her up to be, um, there's a lot of dark side in her. Mm -hmm. I mean, because she hasn't picked a path. She's just the, powerful. But when she's shooting a blaster or when she's, you know, using the lights or whatever, the, the aggressiveness, the, I mean, just the mm -hmm. scowling, the, I mean, her facial expressions are all, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a world of hurt. Um, oh, I'd love Han shooting the bowcaster. <laughs> but the, the, the exception is uh, the final scene with uh, Kylo when she finds the serenity, when they have the sabers locked. 
Well, she does. And you see, but... the, and you see the reflection in her eyes mm-hmm. yeah. when, when she when she opens them. And um, it's like she's found her serenity in that moment. Yeah, then she's a little bit more like Luke at the end of Jedi. But she still has a lot of... Um, I mean, after she knocks down Kylo, then she paces... And we'll get to that, obviously, later. She paces around like a tiger that's going to, you know, chomp off his head. So... They, like I said, they do set it up that she has a potential for either one equally. Right. Okay, so this was a, a good example of the Phasma wasting. Like, you got Finn with a little lightsaber action. He could have been battling Phasma. In yeah, that. not some rando stormtrooper with a... Okay. Traitor! With a Traitor! <laughs> traitor! Oh, again, we now we have Traitor, so... Mm-hmm. I love Trader. Which I think it's TR88. Yeah. <laughs> TR8R, right? And I Trader. I kind of I know people have people have kind of been like down on this as well, but I love the X-wings right above the water. The water? Yeah, yeah. no, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, and, this is and, an awesome scene. And it's all just cuz it looks cool. I mean, you know, that's and something we haven't seen, so it's I mean, so I think JJ was making good decisions of all right we need to give them things they've seen before but let's let's change it enough so it's like oh we haven't seen them fight like said within the atmosphere Atmosphere before we haven't seen tie fighters and x-wings around water so yeah like i love that moment where the uh, tie fighter skims above the water and you get the water effect after and the x-wings right behind it shooting so I like the oh wow that's a great pilot you know moment too mm-hmm. when Poe's like take takes out like five Tie Fighters in the span of like twenty seconds, and um, because a like you can fo- you can follow the action right, right right like you know like it's it's enough for the character to verbalize it right so just so you know but you can see it and you can follow the action and that's my always my biggest critique with action scenes is like when you don't really it's chaotic and you don't really understand it's like there you see him take the guy out he clearly takes the next guy out he swoops around the thing he takes the next one out you know it's like okay that's this is cool right and again it plays kind of like you like you're saying in regards to uh the showing and not telling aspect Mm -hmm. of this movie it's he's like he's the best part no um Kyle Ren said we got the best fighter pilot in the resistance. Right. Well, he's here showing you. Yep. Oh, a quick question. Maybe it's just me. Did the topography or geography of right here of Tokonada, where right here where Kylo and and Ray are facing off, does that not call back a lot? Feel similar to what they'll get into in Starkiller Base? Yeah, I have always felt that too. It, it rhymes like snowy and supposed to green, but yeah. Right, right. It does kind of rhyme in that way. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Right, the idea kind of being this is our first encounter, and Ray's clearly frightened. She is clearly uh, feels overwhelmed and overmatched. And the next time they encounter one another in a, in a situation like this, she's not afraid of him. Yeah. It's it's um, she plays it really well and it's filmed really well too because you mm-hmm. you really get that feeling of like being stuck in a nightmare mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're getting chased by something and you can't get away from it, yep. you know, yeah. 
See, now we're starting to set up the why Aaron has a problem with all the Raylo people is because mm-hmm. their relationship from the get-go is all about power and abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, I, I that's why in Rise of Skywalker, I wish they wouldn't have kissed. I have no problem with him having a redemption arc. I wish he would have just saved her, smiled, and died. You know, it's the payoff to the Raylo people is just like, yes, girls, you can save him. You know, that type of thing. This from the get go, their relationship was set up on abuse and power. Let me let me ask you this: Uh, if they had reversed the that arc of their relationship, if they had reversed the next two movies, and you get the kiss in the second movie. And then in the third movie, her shutting the door on him, literally. If that had been the way that it had played out, would you have been more okay with it? I've been more okay with it. Yeah. I mean, yes, I would have been more okay with that because, I mean, that that's a, unfortunately an all too common tale, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so yeah, I, I, I think I would have been more okay with that story the way it panned out this way it was kind of bothersome and by the way i'm sorry c-3po here that was the most brilliant thing that they did <laughs> the the c blocker you know c-3po <laughs> perfect fredo i wanted to hear your thoughts on that no 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 well i wanted to say well yeah part, part of me was surprised when they started spinning the Raylo thing because it really doesn't come from this movie. It really starts coming out of Last Jedi and the interactions. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like yeah, it was but this this way. movie does exist though, and that's the True, problem. But, is that, but so. hold on, hold on, because the, the point I was trying to make was, I thought that in some ways their interactions between Rey and Kylo in Last Jedi were almost like a dark mirror, upside down version of Rey and Finn in this movie. Hmm. Now, the idea of, because if, if you were to look at this movie and say, who's the person, if you're going to end up having a couple out of this, out of the, these characters meeting together, it's going, it's not Ray and, and Poe, because Ray and Poe have not said two words to one another. It's Ray and Finn, because they've established, okay, you know, how they met, they're chasing, their interactions, there's some, there's some expectation of one another, which is what we see when she's standing above them and kind of, calling him to not run away. So I always felt like the idea was going to be more, and it even gets reinforced at the end of Last Jedi when they end up hugging at the end. It's like, he's he's only interested in helping her out and she's trying to bring him closer to the light, so to speak. And then I always felt like in Last Jedi, they were trying to flip that and show that dynamic, but in reverse with Kylo trying to pull Rey towards the dark side. So I thought that's how they were going to play it, but, you know, it was surprising that to me that apparently a lot of people saw those these two movies and went, "Oh yeah, Ray and Kylo have to end up together." And I'm like, "What?" I, mean, so, I didn't get that vibe at all. I mean, again, I I really invite diverse opinions on that too. If anybody's listening to this and they have, you know, their Raylo fan, uh, feel free to let us know. And uh, I'm still working on the, you know, trying to line up somebody to come on the show at some point just to talk about that because I think the fandom exists for a reason um, mm-hmm. and it would be good to get a little more insight into it 
um but you know i'm mostly with you guys it's just like he's in this film he is an abusive person Mm -hmm. uh the second film he has an opportunity uh she gives she opens that door for him and he doesn't walk through it but he's still he's still abusive and manipulative even uh, even up the game in the second movie but then she very rightly by the end of that movie she's like you had your chance i'm closing the door on this yeah i love Um, i love and i thought that was it I love Chewie telling war stories here. Yeah. Oh, I bet you were very brave. Yeah. (laughs) Chewie got a lot of great moments. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, when he shoots uh, Kylo later is one of the all time yell out loud moments in the theater. All right. So um, coming up here, um, I mean, uh, Scott Colesby didn't doesn't know that he uh, he helped me out with this scene right here. Where you know, first of all, I love it that BB-8 finds R2, and R2 is you know, but it, it's it reminds me of like like when Luna would try to get Josie to play with her because Josie didn't want anything to do with Luna at first. You know, it's just the oldest dog and the youngest dog. Anyway, but I always had a problem with like why why is R2 shut down this makes really no sense whatsoever and so the reason how why i say scott colesby has helped me with this is because i remember after watching endgame i was like where the hell was captain marvel throughout this whole thing and he's like if captain marvel was there then it wouldn't have been a fair fight right you and i was like oh okay so yeah so if r2 is functional we know where the Luke is. Over. We know we don't have the whole plot is gone because R2 yeah. knows where Luke is. He knows where he's been. He knows everything about the entire so Luke, uh, you know, R2 is like the best friend you can have cuz he ain't telling anybody anything. But um they needed him out of the picture, you know. So, but it still doesn't really explain why he's just in hibernation mode. But um you know, it's uh but that whole Captain Marvel thing, it's like yeah, if you do have if you do have R two running around in this movie, then from here on out it's shot because they just get back to the base like, oh yeah, Luke's there. <laughs> so, well, Luke is like again they they mention him in the opening crawl. Um, it's like, oh, where's Luke? Where's Luke? That's the big mystery, and it's yep. a misdirect. Um, because again, if you put Luke Skywalker in this movie, he overshadows everything, and like yep. you said, to your point. He bit, he tips the scales in such a way as well that they that they win, and there's never really any doubt that they win. Um, so you take them off the chessboard um, so that there's more tension about the outcome, but mm-hmm. also so that he doesn't just suck up all the oxygen, because all these new, you have all these new characters that you're trying to establish and tell their story, um, and Luke would have gotten in the way, and I, I agree with that decision. I thought that that was one of the smarter things that they did with this movie. Well, and what's interesting is that they turn him into the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. He's the secret that everybody's trying to get to, both First Order as well as um, uh, the Resistance. Their their whole goal is get to the um, the, the the Last Jedi. 
you can tip the, the scales. Yep. By the way, did you see that there's some new commercial? Now that we see uh, Adam Driver's uh, face, and yeah. see there's some new commercial where he's a centaur. Yep. It just came out today. It's a, you know, so we have shirtless uh, Adam Driver <laughs> again. Um, by the way, so you talk about the uh, the sound effects when he was using the force on Poe, right mm-hmm. earlier. Here in this scene, it's incredible because it starts, and you can tell where she starts blocking him because that sound fades a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the pitch kind of reverses when she turns the tables on him. So that was a genius right. thing done by the the sound crew. Listen, if so, you can't hear it right now if you're listening to the podcast, obviously. But turn, I've turned this up and listen. Don't worry about what they're saying. Just listen to that effect. It is incredible. But what they're saying matters as well, too. You know, because it's just like. Again, we talk about him being this abusive person and like he's sitting here like trying to manipulate her and tell her all this awful stuff about, you know, you know, he does it. He circles back to it in the second movie. He's like, well, you're I'm, nothing. You're nobody. Well, I'm sorry. He's, me, I mean, you know? he's essentially showing her the naked pictures that he took of her. You know, I mean, <laughs> right here. He's like, yeah, I see the island. Yeah. OK, I'm you know, yeah, I yeah. see he's he's. He's just, I'm not going to say the word because you're going to have to bleep it out. Um, But I mean, that's, yeah, that's why he's he's such a good villain. He's such Mm -hmm. a good antagonist. But again, yeah, so. And okay, so his arrogance is part of this too, right? And I guess he has every reason to be arrogant because he trained under Skywalker. Um, He basically eradicated the new Jedi Order. He's the ascending star here. Uh, he comes from royal blood. Mm-hmm. So, and he has like every reason to believe in himself and think like he has like this birthright to everything. And so, for us to see him get denied um, is deeply satisfying for audiences. Because, like, you you don't want to see him succeed. You don't want to see him win because he has every advantage. And Ray is the perfect contrast to that. She comes, you know, comes from nothing, has no background, uh, self-taught. Um, and now, because you just said, because you just said self-taught. Sorry, I'm going to jump in here yeah. real quick. Um, because Rise of Skywalker retconned this whole thing by saying that when. Ray and Kylo are together. Their powers, because they're a dyad, their 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 powers are amplified, and that's basically how Ray knew how to do all this stuff. Is because she was in. She's always at her most powerful force wise when she's close to Kylo. That was kind of the the retcon. Do you like that, or do you like the fact that? she you know you know after hearing maz say basically calm yourself and listen to the force that she's just maybe a little bit it's kind of like playing a video game where it's like oh if i push this button then this happens you know and kind of figuring your a way around it and you fit you you're finding out that you're powerful i don't know i think some people called her mary sue because yeah. of these things you know and mm-hmm. again i never really thought that was a problem because luke 
had some of the same stuff going on with him in the first movie Mm -hmm. anakin of course in episode one so it's like she's gifted that's the point and within the constructs of this story this particular episode i think it works really really well and i and again it's it's me it's partly about kylo it's deeply satisfying to see him get cut down to size mm-hmm. um repeatedly in the in the mm-hmm. last third of this movie um but also i think like yeah i think it works for her um and ultimately i'm not mad about the retconning with the dyad stuff because i thought that had a lot of potential sure they just didn't really take it into a cool new direction like i thought they could have by the way that's daniel craig right there releasing uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh ray yep he yeah. said i don't care what i am at i'll just i'll, I'll just be in a star wars movie and you'll drop your weapon and, and I'll, I'll drop, drop my weapon, my weapon. <laughs> Uh, that was a great gag leading into another great yeah. gag, which is when he loses his crap and those stormtroopers turn yes. turn around. Yep. <laughs> so, so let's let's so get, let's get the back to the rope. let's get back to the Ray finding her power stuff. We also in that force back confirm that former Jedi are speaking directly to her. Mm-hmm. Yep, and she heard those you know Obi Wan's voice, you know, and so. Why can't they, we maybe not hearing it audibly on screen, but why can't they be saying, you know, you know, the force has, you know, tremendous power over the weak minded, you know, why, why can't that thought be placed and she's just listening to it? And okay, I'll give this a go. You know, I don't know. I think a lot of people just kind of, well, it's toxic masculinity is what it was for a lot of it. it, but. It is, and I think that the difficult aspect is we want. I mean, we know that eventually in the story, he, you know, Kyle is going to have to be redeemed, but they got a good job of explaining. You know, no, he is really a, not a good guy, and and he lives up to the hype. So, you know, so it's kind of hard to believe that people, so many people, saw in him going like, "Oh no, no, there's a good guy in there," and. Uh, they're gonna end up together it's like wow did not see that coming well the scene with his father um which there's a com- reason for that which we're coming up on and um i mean that that seems so powerful for a number of reasons but like you know again one of the the most basic things about it is let's show that this guy's an actual jerk and that he's irredeemable basically mm-hmm. and so it from that point on can you come back from killing Han Solo? And for a lot of people, I think the answer was no. That was the whole point of doing it. Yeah. Sorry, you know, one thing I love, they're they're plotting, they're getting their plan together, how they're going to build it, blow this thing up. I love the fact that, hey, let's just, let's just write a bunch of bull crap and everybody will buy it. It's like, yeah, that thing has to have some sort of thermal oscillator. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and if we get that thermal oscillator blown up, then the whole thing goes down. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> what the hell is a thermal it. oscillator? <laughs> Clearly, you're onto something. I mean, but that's that's. I mean, so that's why I come back to that Kevin Smith story. It's like, which I just call it a Thagnerian snare beast. You know, it's like, yeah, do that. 
Yeah, call it tap. You know, my biggest fear of The Force Awakens, quite honestly, um, was seeing domesticated Han and Leia. It it suits neither of them. And that was my mm-hmm. big fear is that we we're going to see Leia making blue milk and Han coming in from you know what you know what I mean? It's like he's coming in from, you know, harvesting whatever. And we're we're going to see domesticated Han and Leia and that didn't happen, so I was really happy. You know, it it, it created a much themselves. more interesting story. So what'd you say, Fredo? I said they're still themselves, you know, even though it's been thirty years and a lot of uh, well, they're a great uh, tragedy they're, and misery. But yeah, they're a great couple that really have no business being married, right? Yeah. I mean, it's they're so alike that they you can see where the attraction comes well, from. But at the same time, they're so independent and they're so right. stubborn. You know, um, I, I mean, I agree. Um, it's an interesting thought is, um, and again, uh, you talk about the, the idea of regret. It's like, how do these two people who are our heroes and we, we love them, um, how do they screw up to the point that the galaxy is in the shape that it's in and their kid is the biggest bad in the galaxy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's this tragic story of, and it's this, this kind of thing, this reckoning that we all have to go through as we get older, which is um, multifold. Because, like, on the one hand, we're dealing with loss constantly the older that we get, right? right. Um, people around us are dying, and we have to come to terms with those things. But the other side of it, too, is that we have to acknowledge that we have not made the changes or the difference in the world that maybe we thought we were going to. And we have to understand how to like, you know, come to grips with all of that um, and come to grips with all of our losses and still somehow endure. Right. Um, And so like from that perspective, it's just like such a sad story, but also kind of a necessary one. Because it adds a layer of realism to the struggle mm-hmm. um, to see people going through stuff like that when it's like, you know, in the first movie was just, hey, everything's great. And then Return of the Jedi, yeah, everything's great, you know. Couple <laughs> this, of, movie, this movie's not that. A couple of the best lines right there. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. <laughs> and then Chewie says something. He goes, oh, really? You're cold? I mean... Again, just great writing by Kazan. And more stormtroopers get shot in this movie than I think we've ever seen ever. Again, it's satisfying, right? It's like 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 watching Kylo get uh, uh, one upped. This is a oh yeah, here we go. I'm in charge now. Yeah, bring it, (laughs) bring it down. But again, it, I mean, the, just the, the Phasma character was just, uh, uh, it was a missed opportunity and I'm yeah, sorry. I, I understand people were, were saying, thinking that Ray was a Kenobi, but her sneaking around and trying to escape 
something that looks like the Death Star does not is is not evidence of her being a Kenobi. <laughs> that was yeah. that was weak sauce. And by the way, I'm sorry if you, if if I was if you're all in my house, I'd rewind here. But when she looks and there are like two stormtroopers and then there's one over, it looks like by a console. If you mm-hmm. look, it looks like he's totally peeing. Because <laughs> he's kind of got his, he's kind of got his head down and his hands are they're on the console and i don't mean on the console like in air quotes but they're on the console but it looks like they're actually on the console with air quotes it looks like he's peeing in the corner so okay anyway i'll have to, go, I'll have to look for that what i love about this moment with uh ray kind of getting away from the first order is that it's it's paying off what we've seen her from her introduction she's been raised up and grown up in the scrap yards of jacku trying to find valuable you know scrap to sell so she would know everything and every kind of way nook and cranny around their their designs because the first order you know basically just borrowed a lot of what the empire did so she would have some general idea of how to how to get in and out and around their their um their own base so to speak was was the garbage chute reference a, a bridge too far no, I, I liked it. <laughs> it's funny, and, and but it, it's only too far because you were hoping for more out of Phasma. I, again, it's it would have played. I think it would have been better had we left that little moment in the Last Jedi when Finn confronts Phasma about her treachery here, betrayal here, mm-hmm. and the other stormtroopers are going like, "Wait, what? She did what?" Yeah, they should have left that scene in in Last Jedi. I totally agree. Yeah. Of scenes, because that then that this then that would have made this moment not only comical for this movie but relevant for the next movie. You'd have gone, oh yeah, no, that's that's what that scene is in there to pay off on the fact that that Phasma, for all her toughness and all her bravado, you know, when the chips came, when it time to uh, stand up for her side, sold them out. So here we go, you know, they're, they're attacking the thermal oscillator. They're sucking the power out of the sun. There was another little bit of a detail there when they showed BB-8 in the back of the X-Wing. It's just a great little detail. His antenna is bending in the wind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an attention to detail that... I mean, that if I'm filming, I'm not thinking of somebody somewhere said, you know, they're moving his his antenna has to bend because, you know, they're mm-hmm. because of, you know, drag, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I love this moment where he's like, Han is like with the, uh, what what's with the chin. What's what, what's the chin? So. The two of the these two didn't get enough time together. They got a lot of screen time together in this movie, but like it's a tragedy, but. Han gets cut down because like these two are awesome together. They were. They I mean, yeah, John Boyega and, and Harrison Ford were perfect together in this movie. Mm-hmm. They know how to play off of one another, which you know, not everybody not everybody can. I mean, even with Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford, it, it could be quite daunting and John Boyega really does a great job. See what I mean here? You know, Finn tells her, no, I came for you. I'm not interested in the rest of the galaxy. I came here to rescue you. And then they start getting into how he got away from, or how she got away from now, escape now, hug later. Yeah. And then Chewie handing his, her, you know, handing Han his jacket. That's going to be cold. 
think it was did, did Neil deGrasse Tyson like come after this movie because they were sucking the energy out of the sun? It's just like way to suck all the fun out of a movie, dude. Well, you know? but, but it's also it's Star Wars. I mean, yeah. we have ships that go faster than light. We have uh, space stations that blow up planets. Like, you know, none of this is based in science fact. This is this is Buck Rogers. This is Flash Gordon. There's as much science fact in this as it was in those. Yeah, but still, it, it, they take it pretty far, don't they? <laughs> True, but, but what I love is, I love the idea, I mean, and Poe, and Poe kind of explains it, it's, as long as we got life, we got a chance. It's a very poetic uh, clock that they're running. Right, they're right. It's, no, it's... As long as there's light, we're okay. The moment it gets all dark, we're toast. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. you know, back to your point with, Ray figuring out everything and opening all these doors and everything. It makes total sense that she would be able to do that because she was scavenging on Star Destroyers. There's no Mary Sue factor in any of that. No. So It, it takes what we've seen her do and applies it to her current scenario. Like even right here, when she opens up the uh, the door to, uh, to let Han and Chewie in, Han goes, but girl knows her stuff. Yeah, exactly. She, you're you're witnessing, however, the only railings in an Imperial or um, First Order vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, all I want is a railing. I don't even care for a race. All I want is a railing. Yeah. So they, actually, they actually have railings here, except for the huge bridge across the huge <laughs> chasm. But by God, OSHA makes them put railings, you know, everywhere else. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you fall the 10 feet, no, nobody wants that. But, you know, if you fall into a chasm that, you know, that's uh, 300 feet deep, then that's okay. And who knows what's down there? I mean, might be important stuff that, you know, machinery that a, that a corpse, you know, grinding the gears down might destroy. But, you know. Way, yeah, so, that, that that was so insanely dangerous that catwalk like you're like oh no the second you see that catwalk you're, oh they're gonna end up on that thing but my other thing is uh and we'll get to it when we get to the scene where you know where Han dies but yeah, spoiler is there alert. some yeah <laughs> spoiler in 20 minutes spoiler alert for 20 minutes not even 20 minutes five minutes but compare his fall to say something like palpatine's at the end of return of the jedi you know, whereas one is very dramatic and oh, and all this, all this, you know, energy and all this stuff. It, it, this one they play, of course, it's Han, so he's not a Jedi, he's not a Sith, but they play it off in a similar fashion, kind of like there's a there's a poignancy to this moment, like there's been a gigantic step taken forward. I mean, just even right now when he steps up to actually call him out, it's almost like Han is facing up to all the stuff he's been running away from. It's actually this exactly with that. So when you found out his name was Ben, did you go, eh? Really? I, I liked it. Well, I, I but it. I, yeah. okay, but did right the minute you heard it, you're like, yeah, Ben. You're or did you were like, yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, Ben. That, that was my reaction. <laughs> now, I guess my question would have been because really, I mean, Han knew Ben Kenobi. I mean, he's the old guy who hired him. But I would have thought that if anybody was going to have a kid named Ben, it would have been Luke, not Han. But then it makes me go, why would Han name his kid? You know, if, we, if we're borrowing a name from, you know, the uh, original trilogy, 
know, think, there's no borrowing language. Well, the, and that was where a lot of people lost their damn minds is because they didn't name him after, I mean, his name wasn't whatever from any of the EU uh, books. Oh, yeah. But, Jason or Jaina, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or Anakin. Which, it's kind of like what Filoni's doing now, right? Where he'll take, you know, bits and pieces of those and make them part of the story now or take names yeah. from that it makes you it does make you wonder it really doesn't make sense as to name him after ben kenobi and i don't know until somebody mm-hmm. shows me that that's what he was named after i don't know if he was was i mean or is that just we're just assuming but then why don't why would why not just use the name from the eu books and and yeah. throw and throw people a bone like you well, know, maybe, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I but I suppose there's that. probably there's probably too much. Like if you give them that name, then that story of that character comes along with it, or at least the people's expectation that the story of that person comes along. So this, it's, yeah, I this mean, gives Ben his own story. But yeah, yeah, I think that that's part of it. And then again, it, you know, I don't know why it. It could have been Uncle Luke was pushing hard for the name, you know. It's like it could be that simple as in, as an yeah. in-universe explanation. But uh, right. Uh, okay, so this this is full circle um, for these two characters. This is the most important scene in the movie, and this is why I would argue that we don't really have a clear protagonist in this movie because um, Ray has nothing to do with this scene. Um, but it's, again, it, you, you talk about for, for Han trying to make up for his sins, um, and reach out to his son and, and his son making the wrong choice here. And I've always found like immediately after watching it, I, I, I uh, I compare it immediately to return of the Jedi mm-hmm. because at the end of return of the Jedi, you see, uh luke make this similar sort of gesture i will not fight you um pacifism is the way uh this goes deeper than that because it's a familial thing but um it's a similar sort of vibe which is like i'm you know i'm gonna reach out to you with love rather than hate Mm -hmm. and in return of the jedi luke prevails and good wins and here you get a saber through the chest (laughs) you die and i think the message in that if there is one is that 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 war requires sacrifice Mm -hmm. um it's like you can't just expect to say oh we're gonna we're gonna solve our disputes with love and with uh discourse um, and expect things not to get a little bloody along the way. Well, I mean, from the standpoint of Ben Solo had been spending the better part of a decade under the thrall of um, of a of a Snoke, so the idea, you know, you're just going to turn up and tell him that you love him, and all of a sudden that's going to flip a switch. That wasn't going to be that easy. So, uh, so I don't know. I understand. I mean, it's it's. The, the Han sacrifice, it's all about facing up to his own failures, his own mistakes, uh, and how they've create, helped create Kylo Ren. 
but I also think there's a certain point where you also have to recognize that there was, you know, Kyle is trying to assume some agency and over his life, and that agency is unfortunately rather evil. I will, I, we talked about it earlier. Um, Chewbacca's reaction here was mm. even more gut wrenching than anything. And then, can you imagine? You know, well, and he actually showed some mercy because he could have blown his damn head off. Mm. You know, Chewbacca's that kind of shot. He he winged him on purpose. You know, it's like could you could you kill your own nephew? I mean, as in essence, you know. Um, but. Um, But now we're we're going to get the uh, the standoff in the snowy forest. So um, Snoke uh, is the ultimate abuser, right? And that gets revealed mm-hmm. in the next movie. Um, the way that he comes down on Kylo, and Kylo is kind of like this right. victim in a way. Um, and he references uh, this act of killing Solo and what it did to him, and oh, he talks him. Yeah, and he talks about that. And I think if you want actual evidence of that um, early on, uh, it is him getting shot in the chest by Chewie. It's Mm -hmm. like you would think if he were in tune with the Force and his surroundings, he would have been able to anticipate something like that. But he was very distracted. And, uh, And I think that's part of the reason that Chewie was able to get that shot in. So I and I I kind of get why it's there, but the whole traitor thing kind of it's like it seems like the Marty McFly being called chicken, you know, <laughs> motif. Um, I think he could have goaded um, Finn into fighting without calling him, tra- checking him for what he's done. Right? Yeah. I mean they 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 did they did set it up at the very beginning because Kylo, you know, knew it was him. Mm. Um, He's getting actual enjoyment there. Uh, torturing him. Yeah. Torturing him. Yeah. He's got the saber pressed up against his shoulder. And uh, my wife wanted to chime in with here we have Kylo acting like a little McClunky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've, I said it before. Like this, I think this is one of the top moments in all of Star Wars right here. Um, the mu- The musical moment. Um, what happened? I did not see this coming, honestly. Um, that was just when Ray catches the lightsaber. It, that was just, like I said, the music element to it, um, the surprise factor to it, that it was just genius. That's the moment, the moment where you realize it, she's the one. Right. And her first move is a Palpatine jab. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. I mean. Well, the, you were talking earlier about how she fights very aggressively. Right. And, well, um, and then like that's part of, you know, probably part of her upbringing. Right. And you're living in a harsh place. You yeah. have to be um, very right. strong and aggressive in order to survive. Um, right. You can't so, be pacific, uh, pacifist. Yeah. In, it's in character in that way. Um, but again, I love the moment coming up where she finds this piece. No, that is, that is, that is awesome. I will give you that, but yeah. it's also interesting, you know, in the last Jedi, they did a great job of explaining this, you know, where Luke, first of all, says equal light, equal dark. And then he's like, 
you went to the dark. Like you didn't even hesitate. You went straight right. there. I mean, that's what's going on in this fight. She is fighting with using the dark side of the force. She's using aggression. She's using for attack, not defense. You know, it's, um, but it's, it's a very instinctual, you know, that's, that's what we do when you're threatened. I mean, you're not going to a place of Zen, you know? Right. Um, well, it's, it's one of those things that, um, if you ever read anything that Bruce Lee wrote regarding fighting, is that the reason why you practice so much is that you enter into that moment of Zen in a fight by, you know, you know, by repeatedly doing it. Yeah. So you're not freaked out. And the reality is in this moment, uh, Ray, it's just going on instinct, on impulse. And that impulse is defend myself. And when you defend yourself like that, it's, you know, there's no training, you know, there's very limited training in her. It's just, Whatever she's learned, but to but she's not she's not really defending herself, right? She's, she's pissed. She's she's yeah, pissed. Yeah. She's she's like you've you've killed Han, you've hurt Finn, you you must die. You know you you've hurt die. me. Um, this scene real right here where they're fighting here, Fredo is like yeah. like you said, it, it really does call back to the earlier scene. Okay. Yeah, she was she was afraid of him then and. Backing away, and here she's not backing down from him. The uh, also just from a visual aspect, the you know the darkness and the snow mm-hmm. with the bright sabers, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was waiting for a scene like this for thirty years. <laughs> this is a, this is a great lightsaber battle, but it, it's again, it's not. It's not. It's not an Olympic sport, you know. This is this is a straight up street fight, right? Yeah. This isn't. Yeah. This isn't masters going and, at it. And to Dave's point, you look at her eyes right now. The sabers, the blue and the red, are in a cross pattern. Mm-hmm. And then when she opens her eyes, they're aligned. Yeah. And I and, noticed that the very first time we saw this in the theater, and I was like, "Ooh, that's cool." And if you look at Kyla, his, his is that way. His are, his are still that way. They're still crossed. Right. And for her, when she opens her eyes, she literally opens her eyes and figuratively opens her eyes. She sees and, the path forward. And she's swinging like Luke in Return of the Jedi. Right. But right now, it, and she has, however, she's swinging like it, but she's got a lot of, well, that's an Anakin, you know, swing, but... She's got a lot of scowl, a lot of that's evil right there. That look on her face. I'm not saying she is evil. I'm saying she's no, no. she's yeah. She found her focus, but she went to the dark again because it's because mm-hmm. as you said, she's not training how to resist it in the in a moment of passion like this where she's fighting for her very life. But that's the, has, that's the thing that I think even. I think even Yoda started to admit maybe in a Clone Wars episode or something like mm-hmm. that, that the, that the Jedi became too, you know, too much one side, you know, right. that, that it's there. And maybe that's why I was hoping that maybe Luke would start, you know, training a little bit more of, you know, mm-hmm. equal parts, you know, dark light side and dark. light side. You need what well, he was talking about balance. I mean, that is, there's time where you got to, give some ass whooping and some time where you try to talk them down, you know? 
Exactly. And I like this guy who just abandons his post. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all get like, out of here, everybody. Let's like get space the heck balls. out of here. Yeah. Or the, the end of Army of Darkness. Let's get the heck out of here. Yeah. I mean, it's so, true. I mean, the whole planet's blowing up. And it's like everybody's like, yeah, I wonder what that is. <laughs> Stay at your post. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to get nope. over with uh, Colonel Sanders and Dark Helmet here, and we're going to get out of here. <laughs> Come back here, you fat bearded <laughs> The um, so she does catch herself after she delivers the finishing blow. She calms herself down, uh, and then they're separated by the the convenient ravine. Yeah, well, uh, that's very yeah. very symbolic, you know. <laughs> um, but she does catch she catches herself before that briefly, and so she pauses. She. She's pa- she just stops. She stops. And so like that I think that means something. And but again, to your point, Aaron, like she she's always been wrestling with it because in the third movie, she she delivers the finishing blow. Um and then ultimately she heals him, you know, a minute later, but um it's like she gives in to that feeling of I gotta cut this guy down. Hmm. So she's always kind of flirted and danced with that line. There's a big explosion of Starkiller Base. Which becomes a sun. So no harm, no foul. The sun is back. (laughs) And it's always just uh, the Millennium Falcon and three Starfighters. Oh, no, that's a few more. All right. All right. So the next the next bit of controversy is when we get back here, and of course, people freaked out that um, Leia doesn't hug Chewie. Leia doesn't hug Chewie, but but Chewie is such a dutiful person. He is his focus is on Finn. Finn right now. Now here's where I I was still can I'm man I, I would still I'd love to sit down in a room somewhere because with with J J Abrams because when Ray and Leia hug right here it's Han and Leia's theme from Bespin now I get it they're you know but but they haven't met yet you know what I mean they they have not met yet and so for them to be bonding over Han because they you know that's the only reason why I can see you would have Han and Leia's theme right there is you have some sort of Han Solo reference but to me, that was, it seemed like a musical cue that, you know, and Chewie here mourning is like, ugh, I still can't watch it. Um, so I think some of that's just getting carried away with um, Carrie Fisher and like how wonderful she is as a person because it's like, okay, let, she's such a like mentor figure for all of these people and everybody just adored her so much. But why but not have like, Leia's theme? Why Han and Leia's theme? That's well, that, my point. That That's my point. Way. From an operatic standpoint, there's a, you know, you're using mm-hmm. a certain musical cue. So mm-hmm. either they, you know, the only, the only thing I can really stretch my brain to the fact is that the thing that they had in common was that uh, was Han. But to me, there, I, th- I thought at the time there was a deeper story meaning that was being right. conveyed right. there. I Otherwise, thought that as well. I thought that as well. I mean, like, again, if it were, we were laying bets, I would have bet money that she was uh, Han and Leia's kid. Um, but again, you know, it's 
the way that the story is now. So let's evaluate it based on where we are <laughs> and what we got. Um, it lays a little bit of groundwork for their relationship later on, which becomes a lot more meaningful in Rise of Skywalker, as it turns out. Right. So um, that kind of, you know, laying the groundwork here with that. So um, as we're about ready to make our way to Act 2, I've got to tell you, today I was on a video call with my manager who is in, she lives in Ireland in Kerry. She's on vacation, and I, but she doesn't know how to do vacation right because we got on this call anyway. <laughs> and she was on her phone and she said, hey, can you see him over my shoulder? And over her shoulder were the Skellig Islands. You could see Skellig Mike. You could see Octo over her shoulder. She was on another island, you know, vacationing. And I was like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> that that whole sequence, that's incredible, right? I mean, yeah. we, can, we can probably start talking about that now because it's going to show up here in, in about a minute. Um, Jedi Steps as a piece of music, I, mean, I, think, it's, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. It's a great piece of music. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's little hints of at first when it's when I first heard it in the theater, I thought it was a play on Yoda's theme. And it, mm-hmm. it actually, you know, you could still take a little bit of that. It would make sense. It's the Jedi steps. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I love the way this movie ended. I, I, I just set him up for problems, you know, or at least, you know, because well, it, be, it, I mean, it set him up. Yeah, I, they they could have handled. We we've talked about Last Jedi before. They could have handled the start of that a little bit differently, um, but this whole sequence of finding Luke, yeah, it is. It's incredible. The music builds just as the journey up the steps build. Um, it's a great cliffhanger moment. And um, it was. I'm sorry. It was Ryan Johnson that said, "Hey, can you have R two on the ship?" Because because it was supposed to be BB-8 actually at the end of this, it was supposed to be Chewbacca, BB-8, and Ray, but Ryan Johnson needed needed R2. So hey, can you put R2 on there? So, yep, that was that was a fun little nugget. Um, but you know, it's interesting because we we always go back to Last Jedi with this movie, and like I think part of it is that. These two movies, in in a lot of ways, they connect a lot better than most any other Star Wars movies do. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is because just because of the um, the narrative, uh, it, it, like that movie comes just like a few hours after this movie, basically. Right. Um, and and so like just narratively, you you could watch them back to back and get a lot of enjoyment out of it in that way. Um, maybe in the only other two films I could think that you could do that with would be a new hope and rogue one. Um, but like it's, they're, they're different in that way from, from any of the other like main saga films. Mm-hmm. And so I like, I do appreciate, I do appreciate that. Um, it's like, Oh, cool. Cause like, how else are you going to pay off this moment? Right. You're not going to show this moment <laughs> off screen. You have to pay it off. We have to know what comes next. So they, you know, again, JJ 
set it up brilliantly, the next movie. Um, but the next movie pretty much had to come like right after this. Because I mean, like kind of like what we mean, we've been saying the whole the whole crux of this movie has been a quest for Luke. Yeah. Luke has been the MacGuffin. Luke has been the thing everyone's been after. So here you finally get him. You finally see him. So, but just, just even the fact that Lisa at this point with his look at her, the lightsaber, you know, it it leaves everything kind of in the open as to what could, could be possibly coming next. But you're right. We needed to get a resolution so, to this moment. So we get in the DeLorean, and here's how here's how you fix everything. You get in the DeLorean, you go back, and you say, all right, Ryan Don't Johnson, you can show this, but here's what you need to do. You need to start your movie like three years down the road, and then you pay this off in a flashback. There, think, there's, yeah. a, there's a way that you can write in and say, you know, maybe Ray's training herself or something, trying to figure out – you know, this, that, and it's like, well, what, why didn't Luke continue your training? You know, and I, I you, think if you pretend that Rise of Skywalker never happened, these two movies work brilliantly together. Have we ever had flashbacks in Star Wars? Well, we've, you know, I mean, well, we had a force back here in, in this movie, so. Right, right, but I mean, prior to this movie. I don't, I don't uh, necessarily think so. That doesn't mean okay. you can't, you know. Right, um, right, right. No, I mean, this movie did exactly what it was supposed to do. Right. This movie, this movie was nothing more than to get people back into Star Wars. It was I to, it was to win back fans. It was to set up Disney for, you know, all the things that they wanted to do. And to give them, I mean, um, Kathleen Kennedy called this, you know, a tent pole, you know, uh, project that, I mean, mm-hmm. that tent pole was, that is not a tent for three new Star Wars movies. It was to what Disney, what Disney wanted to do with Star Wars, you know, whether that's theme park, whether that's movies, whether that's TV stuff, it, it was to get people excited about Star Wars again. And it was, it's, it's a fun movie. It's one of those that if it's on TNT, yeah, I'm going to watch it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it is, it's just fun. Um, yeah, there, obviously we've, we had our criticisms throughout the whole thing. There's, you know, you can pick it apart for being derivative for, you know, being a little bit too on the nose at times, but you know, sometimes you just want fun, you know? Right. I think there's a lot of potential for this movie to not go well. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think people lose sight of that. Like a lot of people want to nitpick it. And, uh, you know, this or that, or that. I, I have problems with, like you said, how derivative it is and this, but you know, I, I'm so thankful for what we did get here. Um, because as we have seen, I think like you can kind of go off the rails a little bit. Uh, and it doesn't take much. Um, they, they really, they, they set out to do some really, what seems like simple tasks, right? We're going to bring back the big three, but we're not going to let them take over the movie. We're going to introduce these new characters. So you care about the new characters so that we can have new movies with the new characters. And they basically did all of that mm-hmm. and they did it all with, there's no absence of theme. Um, there's no absence of drama. Um, it's entertaining, like you said. There's a lot of great action and comedy and 
acting. It's it's just it's a really really good movie. Right. As a, as the opening salvo of the Disney era Star Wars, I don't think they could have done better. Now I remember the last thing I'll leave you with. Um, I remember I was uh, went to church. It was the Sunday after they um, announced the the title, mm-hmm. Force Awakens, and guy came up to me who, you know, knows I'm a big Star Wars fan. And he said, "So what do you what do you think of the new title, Force Awakens?" I said, "You know what? They could have called it Star Wars Episode Seven, a big pile of dog crap, and I would have been excited." You know, the mm-hmm. the fact is, is like I st- I don't I would not have guessed that sitting here at 48 years old that I would still be able to see Star Wars, new Star Wars stuff in a theater or on TV and everything. So I am, I am stoked every time that there is, you know, new Star Wars. Um, and again, you know, I, I just, I just try to take it for like the fact is I go into a theater going, I get to watch Star Wars. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, yeah, you can, you can like say, yeah, that wasn't the best Star Wars but it's like pizza. It's still, it's still, you know, still yummy, you know? And if, if I wanted, if I wanted something a little bit more, you know, a little bit more substance, then I'd go, you know, go watch, you know, some, you know, art film or something, you know, but I, it's star Wars. It's, it's pizza. So anyway, um, anything else for the good of the order before we sign off? Thanks for hanging with us and uh, watching The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, they should have the last one should have been from his nap. Um, <laughs> and I think that's why The Simpsons used that in their uh, their little Star Wars thing in on Disney Plus. Because wasn't that wasn't The Force Awakens from their nap? Wasn't that what it was? Something yeah, like that. Something like that. <laughs> anyway. Cool. Well, all right. Well, with that, we will say, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And uh, everybody have a great week, and we'll see you on the flip side. My monkey.